radio station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. A very good evening to you just after 6 o'clock on VOC 91.3 FM. I'm Khawa Solomon and a warm welcome to another edition of Questions and Answers. Answering your question, uh, questions is rather Sheikh Ibrahim Wurs, uh, resident imam at the Yusufiyah Masjid out in Weinberg. Assalamu alaikum to you, Sheikh, and shukran so much for joining us again. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to you, uh, Sister Hawa, and to all of the listeners of The Voice of the Cape. Shukran, Sheikh. So we'll get straight into the questions because we have quite a few that is backlogged as well. So uh, a big, big thank you to all those our listeners um, who have sent in questions earlier um, this past few weeks, but it wasn't answered immediately because this is what happens. If you send your question today, it will be followed through with an answer in the next week or, week or so. Because Sheikh basically takes a question home and give us a detailed answer when Sheikh gets back. Um, but we do have backlogs of questions, so we first deal with them as they come in. So the first one reads, Assalamu alaikum to you, Sheikh and Khawa. My husband does not want to stop drinking alcohol. We have been uh, separated before. When he does these things, he does not even go to work for days on end. Just drinks day and night. I have had enough. Is it permissible for me to ask him to give me a talaq, Sheikh? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Uh, yes, uh, it's a very, very uh, common and sad thing that, that happens between uh, couples sometimes whereby, uh, you know, the substance abuse or this uh, consumption of alcohol in this case. And uh, it is something that really, you know, it, 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 it upsets the marriage, it upsets the family, it's, uh, it throws everything around and uh, it makes it really uncomfortable and, un- and unbearable for a family to cope with things like this. And, uh, um, you know, we always, we are sort of, uh, sometimes we try to be uh, sympathetic mm-hmm. towards people that fall into these kinds of illnesses. And we try to obviously say that, look, we, we should help them as much as we can and uh, see how we can assist them in ridding themselves yeah. from these uh, tests and, and difficulties that they are going through. But at the end of the day, you know, you can only try so much. And if it doesn't work, you know, and the person just does not want to uh, leave, like in this question, it seems like it's an ongoing thing and uh, it affects the life of others around them. I mean, they can't think that it's, uh, you know, it's only them that's doing it. So it's not your business or your Mm -hmm. problem. It affects, you know, drug taking, drug abuse, alcohol. In this case, it affects everyone that you come into contact with. So in this case, uh, I would say that, look, if you have tried all avenues previously, as you are stating, you did try to help him, to assist him, to get some professional help for him, uh, to see what you can do to, to get him off this particular habit and so on but unfortunately it just doesn't work it just goes back to that uh, problem and so on then yes I mean if it leads to him not fulfilling his duties as a husband and abusing you for example because that is often what happens I mean you go into that state and it leads to abuse it leads to non-payment of nafaka it leads to lots of ugly things within the marriage and and certainly i mean we cannot expect uh, a a wife you know or anybody for that matter to remain in such a family setup where it's more harmful than anything else Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a very clear and well-known hadith which was used by even the the jurists you know as a basis for many laws in islam a hadith where the prophet says la darar wa la dirar there shall never be harm you know harm should never be entertained 
somebody is harmed or there's a situation where harm is inflicted, that should be averted. Islam removes harm from our lives. Mm. So we cannot expect this poor wife just to be in this marriage. And I know some people say you must have sabr, you know. It's true, we should have sabr. But you can only have for so long. I mean, she's a human being after all. And if she is a human being that is being abused or that is being neglected or that has to face this problem all the time, then yes, uh, like I said, if it leads to all these kinds of things, she certainly has a right to either ask him to divorce her or to apply for a fasakh, you know, if, mm. it, if it is that it leads to um, abuse and non-payment of nafaqa and all these things, she can certainly apply for a fasakh and she would probably have very strong grounds to do so also. Um, so uh, I would... Uh, encourage her to expedite these possibilities and uh, I think I guess what I want to say is that she shouldn't feel that she's being selfish you know um, if she's thinking in this way especially if she has tried uh, I would say look if it's the first time that it happened um, uh, you know you want to give support and see how you can help Mm. But if it carries on for a long time and you become a punching bag or you become, a, a, you know, the recipient of abuse or you become the one that is neglected and it's happening for years on one and it just doesn't stop, you don't have to, you know, face that. You don't have to just be satisfied with that. Because end of the day, is, as a human being, you also have rights, you have needs, you have, you are protected, you know, by the laws of Islam. Allah says in the Quran, bani Adam. We had given, you know, honor to all the children of Adam. Mm. So this wife is one of the children of Adam. So we have to give her that honor that Allah affords to her. So if it uh, comes to this, uh, to, to that extent, she can certainly, I think, uh, apply either for a fasakh or convince him or have someone convince him to rather let her go, you know, hmm. instead of living a life that is not really a life conducive of marriage or conducive of a relationship, etc. And we make sincere du'as for, for this couple. Um, firstly, that Allah helps this, this man, you know, to hmm. come out of this habit. And secondly, Allah Ta'ala allows the wife, you know, to make the right decisions and to be guided and to, to, to live a, a life that she deserves, you know, as a human being, as a wife, a dignified life as uh, is dictated to us by uh, our Creator, Allah Ta'ala. I mean, all the best, Ya Allah, all the best to this couple, especially the wife, inshallah, and may the Almighty guide all those that might be um, affected by and infected by um, a disease of this kind, inshallah. Salam, Sheikh. The next one reads, hope you are well, inshallah. Please, please explain, the stress is on there, how a daughter-in-law should treat her mother-in-law, Sheikh. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, there's lots of perceptions. I think uh, people go into marriage with preconceived perceptions as to how these things play out and how these things work. And I think the preconceived misconception is that they go into marriage thinking that it's a done deal, you know. I, I cannot live with my mother-in-law in harmony. Mm. There is going to be fights and arguments and uh, scuffles and stuff like that. Um, I think it's wrong. We shouldn't, we shouldn't have that perception uh, just taken for granted and think that it is like that. Mm. Um, we should try our best to live good with each and every human being that we have relationships with. Uh, particularly a relationship that is going to be so close to you, which is your mother-in-law. It's not like an ordinary relationship. It is something that is very close to you. Mm. So um, I think first of all, to remove that perception from your mind that, you know, that it's a, a, a given that there will be problems. That is not the Islamic uh, concept. We should try to live in harmony with everyone. And uh, yes, daughters-in-law should give respect to their mother-in-law. They should treat them as their own mothers. 
They should uh, cherish them. They should uh, acknowledge that this is obviously their husband's mother. Mm. Someone that means a lot to him. Someone that he is going to give his life for, if I may put it like that. So they must realize that that it's, uh, you know, sh they should never go into a marriage with the perception of competing or competition. Mm. And I think that is where the problem starts. I mean, you want to compete with your mother-in-law. You, you shouldn't compete. There's no competition. Mother-in-law is a... You know, she's got a very high rank. Mm. And yes, you've got rights as well. So um, daughters-in-law should certainly treat their mothers-in-law with respect, uh, the same way that they would treat their own mothers. But I would also want to say that mothers-in-law should treat their daughters-in-law also like their own daughters. Mm. It goes both ways. You can't like sit like on a pedestal as a mother-in-law and say that, you know, it is my God-given right that you as my daughter-in-law must do everything I say, do everything I want you to do, no matter how I treat you, no matter what I do to you. It's your duty to respect me. I think that is unfair. In Islam is not unfair. Islam is a just religion, a just way of life. So I think that um, we should encourage, whilst we are encouraging daughters-in-law to cherish their mothers-in-law the same way that they would their own mothers, we are also strongly saying to mothers-in-law, please don't treat your daughters-in-law as if they are nothing or as if they don't, you know, have no importance and as if you can just sort of manipulate your relationship with your son, for example and try to marginalize the daughter-in-law and cause trouble in the marriage and stuff like that. Mm. That is a big problem, you know, it's a major thing. If parents interfere in marriages and actually uh, want to cause people to separate, for example, they will bear the brunt of it and they will be responsible for it in front of Allah Ta'ala. So it, it's a, it's a two-way road, there must be mutual respect and I think, again, I've said it before that the husband plays a very important uh, juggling role and, 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 and balancing role. Mm. He must make his wife understand at all times that there's no competition. I love you dearly as my wife, mm. but I also have immense love for my mother, which I cannot sacrifice for anything. Mm. He must make his mother know in a, in a way that is suitable that, look, she's my wife, you know, and I have to give her certain things which Islam tells me to give to her. You cannot expect to me, uh, often what happens is the mother-in-law has a problem with the daughter-in-law. So she forces the son also to be the same, mm. which is wrong. I mean, the son in that case should not, you know, um, she should be wise enough to overlook those kinds of plots or those kinds of issues to separate families and husbands and wives. And so uh, general advice, try to live good with everyone because this life is too short for us to live with fighting and disputes mm. and stress and worries. It's not a nice life to live like that. It's not a nice life to every time think when the next argument is going to start. Or I wonder if I go there now, if she's going to turn her back when I greet her, for example. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's very awkward, it's very uncomfortable. No one would want, should want to live like that. So live good with everyone. And the second advice is be respectful at all times. And this goes for mothers-in-law as well as for daughters-in-law. Be respectful. And if you want to know what is respect, you know, learn your Islam. Learn your prophet's lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You know, how he treated his wives, how he treated his family, how he treated everyone around him. Learn his seerah. And by there you can immediately see the Prophet was genuinely, genuinely, as the Quran explains him to be, Rahmatan lil He was genuinely a compassion and a mercy to all. 
And so we should try to imbibe some of those qualities. And uh, we, we, inshallah, beseech our daughters-in-law and mothers-in-law to try their best to live good with one another, in harmony with one another, not to cause unnecessary issues um, the way that the Western world or other people want us to believe it should be. You know, others, other perceptions is, like I said, there must be a problem. You, almost like people say, if there's no problem between mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, something is wrong. No, it shouldn't be. I mean, we should we should strive for, for, for good relations at all times. And uh, that will bring a good marriage and a good life, inshallah. Shukran, Sheikh, for um, that um, good words and nasiha. We come back with uh, concerns of an ex-husband whose um, children doesn't visit him, um, but the duty then falls on the younger son and his wife. But uh, that question just after the short break. Stay with us. The Voice of the Cape. 91.3 FM Stereo Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Very good evening and welcome back We continue with your questions on 47913 You can also fax them through to us on 021 We should receive them at reception Or any other mode Please call our reception office Hours only 021 We do have after hours staff But uh, preferably during office hours And I think till about 1 o'clock on a Saturday morning So the next question, Sheikh reads here. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. My sister wants to marry, um, or rather, no. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. I'm divorced. My ex-husband has many children. His entire family and all his children never visits or interacts with him. It's now left to my younger son and his wife. But it's funny that they fetch children from the orphanage. I'm sure she's referring to the other family or his other other children, Sheikh. Uh, an answer to that, inshallah. Yeah, the, the, the again the the relationships you know which we spoke about just before the break, um, and ex-husbands and children and so on. We mentioned before that uh, the issue of children, you know, they should never suffer the consequences of the bad relationship between husband and wife. Mm. So after separation, you know, don't uh, be the cause that the children are also further affected. Mm. It's uh, traumatic, traumatic enough for them not to live with mother and father at the same time. So neglecting your duties upon them after that is sort of, uh, you know, causing further difficulties in their lives and it's going to scar them even further. So in this case, she's complaining about the ex-husband not fetching the children and so on. It's wrong. He must, he must give time to all his children, his current children with his current wife and his previous wife's children because those children are still his children. And they need his attention. They need his, um, his his help and support and love. And without that love, they are going to grow up without love. They are going to grow up without that uh, father figure that is needed. So he should uh, obviously um, be interacting with his children. And it's wrong if he's not doing that. And uh, yes, she's saying also that uh, they fetch other children from the orphanage. Meaning they look at other kids and the needs of others. But his own children he doesn't worry about. And we know the, the, the statement that we always make, charity begins at home. You cannot supply the whole world with charity, but your own family suffers. Mm. You have to start at home. You have to look at your own responsibilities and duties first. And surely, certainly, Allah is going to hold you responsible if those children turn out not the way that they ought to have turned out because of your negligence. You are going to be questioned about it. The famous hadith, كُلُّكُمْ رَاعٍ وَكُلُّكُمْ مَسْؤُولٌ عَنْ رَعِيَّتِهِ Every person is like a shepherd and he will be asked about his flock. Uh, if a shepherd, for example, has a flock of sheep, but he doesn't pay attention to the sheep, 
He let them graze wherever they want to graze. Mm. He sleeps most of the day not watching over them. And they go and walk over the road, let's say. And a car comes and knocks the sheep over. Who's going to be hold, held responsible? It's the, the, the shepherd. Mm. He should have been alert, you know, to see that the sheep is moving in an area which is dangerous. Now, it's a parable. It's an example which the Prophet ﷺ is giving. He's talking about the shepherd. Mm-hmm. Because the shepherd, his eyes needs to be there. His hands needs to be there. His focus needs to be there in order to see that the sheep feeds properly. is uh, protected from the wolves, protected from all the elements, etc. So the same parable in your life, you know, your child. You are the shepherd over that child. He's going to want to or she's going to want to do certain things which is not right. There they need you to tell them, this is not right. This is what you need to do. Now, if you're not around in the first place, how can you do that? And then how can you then afterwards expect if they do something wrong and then get angry? Mm. It's unfair of you to do that because you didn't play your, your role. You know, it's like when parents don't, it's like, you know, when parents don't worry about kids. Mm. Kids just grow up. Parents are working. It's the, you know, all other people are looking after the kids. And then one day the child is maybe 15, 16. He says to the father, I'm moving out. You know, I'm getting my own place. So all of the father, where, where does this come from? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have no right to do this. I'm your father. But then the child can easily say to the father, but what father have you actually been to me mm-hmm. if you've never been there? Same to the mother. What mother are you if you've never been a mother to me? I may as well move on my own. And not, we're not encouraging this for kids. We're not justifying. But we are saying we, we cannot blame anyone else but ourselves in that, in that regard. Mm-hmm. So this is a general nasiha for this father who is neglecting his children and now leaving it up to the younger son to look after the children, etc. It's not right. You can't give your, your duties to your, your sons to look after others, you know. It's your duty. It's not someone else's duty. And uh, even if it's convenient for them to do, to do that, it's still your duty and the child still need you as a father as much as they need you as uh, need their mother they need their father as well i hope uh, this person will realize uh, the injustice that he is causing by not fulfilling his duties and allah guide us all inshallah inshallah i mean Sheikh, but now looking at, at, at another stance of the question where maybe um, this lady is referring to her ex, ex-husband um, who has all the, these children, but yet the family, his, his family or his current children is not interacting or visiting him. And maybe now her son and she feels it because the son talks to her and, and his current wife, you know, to now um, maybe do justice by visiting the father and, you know, seeing to, to him or whatever. And now... Uh, she points out that his children that doesn't interact with him or visit him, they themselves go and visit mm. um, other children at, at orphanage. Yeah, that is that is quite correct. I mean, then I think that is more sort of what the question is saying. Mm. I may have misread it or misunderstood it. Um, yes, it's 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 quite uh, sad. It's even worse, you know, in this case, whereby the father is being neglected by the children. Mm. Uh, for me, this is even worse because the children obviously um, they should uh, be knowing the status of their father, and they should not be neglected neglecting their father and uh, they should visit him regularly interact with him they should come you know and uh, it's 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 very sad sometimes when because of let's say the children having better jobs or having a better income uh, and they are better off you know financially that becomes sometimes a problem where they think uh, you know ah if you can just take some money some now and then uh, that should be enough mm. 
it's not right. Uh, you you are only where you are, and you are only achieved what you achieved because of your du'as that your parents made for you, mm-hmm. and your father supported you when you were small, and so on. So from that side of the question, and I think that is what the question is saying, that the children or other families are neglecting him as a father, mm. which is wrong. And uh, you know these children should be educated and should be encouraged uh, to 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 change their lifestyle, uh, because uh, after all they are also uh, parents and their children are also going to grow up and uh, you know it will come back to them it will haunt them mm. and one day their children will do the same to them what they did to their parents you know if they don't make a change now because even if they let's say mathalan they don't teach the children physically to do that mm. isn't it a, a given fact that the children see what they are doing you know isn't it a given fact that the children is very observant Mm. So if my child see that I neglect my father, mm. yes, isn't he yes, going to grow up that sad. this is probably how life is? Mm. You know, it's probably not that important. So when that child one day is big, he will think, well, my father did it to his father. Yeah. So what stops me doing it to, to my, my father? father? It's normal. Yeah. That's life. He will interpret life to be normal like that. Mm. So you may not have taught him the wrong thing, but you showed sure. him the wrong thing. Mm. Because they are like sponges, you know. They will learn from you whatever you do. And that's why being a good role model is also always very important. Living a good life in front of your kids is always very important. It's not the preaching, you know. You can preach as much as you want to them. But they will learn and take from you much more what they see than what you tell them. them, yeah. I mean, that's a fact. We know about that. So uh, we, we, we obviously then say that it's not right for them. And, for, and, and it's very, I think it's hypocritical for these children of his to want to entertain orphans or we're not saying the orphans must not not be looked after Mm. orphans obviously must be looked after and we must try to visit the sick and the elderly and so on but how can you do all of that but you don't worry about your own father Mm. it's hypocritical it's really uh, not prioritizing you know what is more important etc so all that we can do is we always pray for people's guidance and Mm. we hope people realize you know that uh, they have a very short life and the father, I mean, I always say to kids when it comes to this kind of thing, how old is your father now? They say maybe 60, 65 and so on. How long can he still live? Really is, yeah. How long do you still have with him, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you want to rather cry and all of that when, when it's all gone, you know? Mm-hmm. Then it's too late. Nothing you can do. So cherish the moments that you have. Try to make right what is wrong. Try to live a life of respect and dignity with them. You will see Allah will put lots of barakah in what you do. Amen. And you will also be able to, uh, uh, you can expect good things coming to you, not mm-hmm. only now, but in the future, as far as your children is also is also concerned. Amen, inshallah. May the Almighty guide that family. And we come back with a question of a concerned sister talking about um, her sister wanting to marry an unemployed married man. Back in a moment with more of your SMSs. Stay with us. The Voice of the Cape. 91.3 FM Stereo. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to q and I'm Khawa and with me is Sheikh Ibrahim Mus answering your questions. My husband doesn't want to nafaqa me, Sheikh. He says I must go and work. He earns enough money though, sends money home to his family every month, gives money to the mosque and gives sadaqah and he says he must first see to the people outside, other people, before he sees to me. Is he sadaqah uh, accepted, Sheikh? 
In terms of the acceptance of a person's good deeds, that is something that only Allah knows. Uh, it's not something okay. that we can give judgment on. Is uh, sadaqah and salah and so forth accepted? Mm. We don't give judgment on that. That is between a person and his creator. However, um, the person's philosophy in terms of how he goes about in giving to everyone and saying it's not necessary to give to the wife, this philosophy in itself is in stark contrast to what the deen teaches us. Okay. The deen teaches us that your first duty is towards your own family. Okay, as simple as that. Mm -hmm. So the sadaqah that you are giving, the masjid that you're helping, the money that you're sending home, that's all fine and well. But if you are not fulfilling your duty towards your own family, mm -hmm. then you've missed the whole point. And I can quote a couple of hadith on this whereby this person, uh, Hakim ibn Hizam, he actually asked the Prophet Sallallahu O Prophet of Allah, ayyu sadaqati afdal? What is the best form of sadaqah that I can give? And the Prophet Sallallahu simply responded by saying to him, ibda' biman ta'ul, start with those who are dependent on you. Start with your family. So look at the question. The question is not actually dealing with nafaqah. The question deals with sadaqah. Like this man, he's giving lots of sadaqah giving here, giving there, helping here, helping there. So it's that situation where this man asks, what sadaqah should I give where first? Mm. And the Nabi actually sallallahu alayhi wa regards nafaqah to be sadaqah, meaning that's the first point of sadaqah. Mm. If ever you want to do good to someone, first point should be your own family, your own wife. So this person obviously his uh, understanding of the deen is wrong. To think that it is acceptable to give everywhere else but neglect his own wife to think that giving everywhere else will justify the fact that he doesn't have to give to the wife. Okay, that understanding should be removed and is completely wrong. And uh, he should not regard ever his sadaqah that he's giving to his uh, wife or the, the nafaqah that he's giving to his wife. He should not regard it as a burden and he should not think that it's not worthy of reward. You know, if you if you give your wife nafaqah, it is like a sadaqah, I said. Mm. Nabi actually terms it as if it is a sadaqah. And there's other ahadith to show that you will be very much rewarded for that act. Although it's obligatory upon you. You shouldn't think of it as an obligation which is not rewardable. Mm. I don't know if this is maybe the case. Maybe he thinks that if I give sadaqah to the masjid or to somewhere, so yeah. I will definitely get reward. Mm. But if I give to my wife, ah, you know, it's not rewarded. It's just something I have to do. Okay. And I don't think that should be the understanding. It's actually quite to the contrary. Mm. In a hadith where the Prophet also says, And the hadith is in Sahih al-Bukhari and Muslim, very authentic. Nabi says, Never do you spend something for the sake of gaining the pleasure of Allah. Anything that you spend for the sake of gaining the pleasure of Allah, except that you will be rewarded for it. And the Nabi Sallallahu then makes a point to mention the wife, saying that even the little bit of morsels that you put in the mouth of your wife, something that you feed her with, right? That is also rewarded by Allah Ta'ala. So don't think it's just a burden or it's just something I have to do and I don't get any returns on it and so on. So I'd rather give to the masjid before I give to my wife. Mm. It's wrong. And you can't tell her the way she's saying here that he says that she must look for herself or she must uh, you know, go work. No, it's not her duty to work. It's your duty to work. It's her duty to look after the family, to see that the household is in order. And if it happens that she wants to work and he agrees, it's fine. It's not haram, but you can't go tell her that she must go work.
mm. you know. Um, so I, I will definitely give a very strong advice for this people, for this person, saying what he's doing is totally against what Islam is teaching us. And if he continues like this, I am afraid that he's not fulfilling his duties. And she can actually, if she want, apply for a fasakh of this nikah, mm. if she's not getting nafaka from him. This is in fact grounds strong enough, in, especially in this case where she's saying that he's got enough. He can give. Mm. He's giving everywhere. He, he does have to give, but he refuses to. Uh, so she has very strong grounds for a fasq or a separation of this nikah, annulment of the nikah. And so she can actually pursue the matter like that if she feels it becomes uh, necessary for her and she's being neglected in such a way that there's no other alternative. But to do that, she is allowed to do that as well. Shukran, Sheikh. Now the next one reads: Does a woman, uh, does women rather, on their own, have to call the adhan for a group of women, and the ikama as well, Sheikh? Yeah, the scenario of women praying all together um, is obviously different to men in certain mm-hmm. aspects. Uh, one of it is first just a correction. She asks, uh, this this person is asking, must a woman? The adhan at all times for males and for females is a sunnah. Mm. It's not a fart. So even amongst males, if they all come together and they make fart salah, it's not a must for them to make the adhan. Okay. And it's not a must for them to recite the iqamah. Okay. It's only a sunnah. It's not part of the obligations of the salah. It is, however, for males, it is, however, the adhan is a great sunnah. Mm. It's a sunnah that we must at least try to uphold, but it won't invalidate your salah if you don't do it. Mm. So from that aspect, there's no musts that must be done. However, is it recommended? I think that is a better way of putting it. Is okay. it recommended for women to make adhan? The answer is no. Women coming together don't make adhan, but iqama, yes, they give iqama. You know, uh, and and the reason for this is we know that women, uh, or, or rather the adhan, why is it given? Uh, it's normally given to announce in a loud way that salah has begun and to make the announcement and so on. So it's not suitable for women to do that, but for men. And this has been obviously something which has sort of been agreed upon by the scholars of Islam, taken from the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, which indicates towards the soul. Just to reiterate, it's sunnah for them if they make salah together, not to make the adhan, but just to make the iqamah straight away. So someone can render the iqamah and the salah can then proceed where one of them can actually lead the rest of the women in that salah. That would be acceptable. No problem in that at all. Okay, Shaykh. So the next one is also around the, the adhan and the iqamah. If there is only one male performing salah, is it a farat to call the um, adhan? Yeah, again, in, interesting question. Mm-hmm. But again, the word fard is not suitable yeah. because it's not compulsory. It's a sunnah. But it's an interesting question. So the question is, is it still sunnah for him to do it okay. if he's alone? And this is very interesting that it is actually sunnah for him to do it, okay. even if he's all alone, even if there's no one with him. Mm. Because the, the, um, the adhan signifies not only an announcement for others that the salah has started or the, the time is in, mm. but it signifies for you yourself that the salah has started. So it's not an announcement only for others to hear, but it's to remind you also of the salah etc and interestingly there are actually a hadith on this where the prophet sallam, there was a, an incident where abu sa'id in al-khudri radiallahu an he uh, saw his friend abdu his name is uh, abdul rahman ibn abi sa'sa'a and abu sa'id said to him that inni araka tuhibbu al-ghanam wal badiyah i see that you like to be with your sheep and goats and so on in you know uh, in, in 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 looking after them and so on mm-hmm. فَإِذَا كُنْتَ فِي غَنَمِكْ 
He says, but if you are with your sheep, فَأَذَّنْتَ لِلصَّلَاةِ You make adhan to the, for the salah. فَرْفَعْ صَوْتَكَ بِالنِّدَاءِ Abu Sa'id is saying to him, if you're alone with your sheep, raise your voice when you're making the adhan, even though you are alone. And this is the reason. He says, فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَسْمَعُ مَدَى صَوْتِ الْمُؤَذِّنِ جِنٌ وَلَا إِنْسٌ وَلَا شَيْءٌ إِلَّا شَهِدَ لَهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Because when he makes that adhan, when you make that adhan, there will not be a jinn or a human, or anything else for that matter. The ulama say here that anything else here refers to even the non-living uh, non objects. Mm. You know, when all of them actually hear you making the call to pray, they will all testify for you on the day of your Qiyamah. Mm. So they will say to Allah, oh Allah, I heard this man's voice mm. making adhan. So that's the benefit. It's not only to say to people that salah is started and to call others, but it's actually to announce Allah's greatness at that time. And that greatness is witnessed by all the creations of Allah Ta'ala. And this shows, and he at the end, when he gave this advice, Abu Sa'id gave this advice to Abdurrahman ibn Abi Sa'sa'a. And when he finished the advice, he said to him, I'm saying this to you because I heard this from our Prophet Sallallahu I'm not saying this out of my own. The Nabi said, this is the effect of the Adhan. And this hadith is in Sahih al-Bukhari. And this obviously shows the greatness of the Adhan. So if you are all alone, you make the Adhan obviously enough for you to hear. Mm. Doesn't have to be extremely loud, but enough for you to hear. Unless you think there are people around that mm. may also benefit from it, then you raise your voice slightly. And so we learn that the benefit is not only for uh, announcing for others, salah, etc. But it is also to get the tes testimony of all the other creatures of Allah Ta'ala, the jinn and the tree and the plants, the animals for that matter, they can, they can all, if they hear the adhan, they will obviously testify in favor of that particular person on the day of judgment. But the last point that I want to make again is it's not fart. Okay. It's not compulsory. It's sunnah. It's mm. a recommendation to be done in all circumstances. Well, that said, then we should always be encouraging our, our sons and our males to be making it, even if they're on their own, inshallah. So the next question, Sheikh, I know we bit delayed on this one, but inshallah may benefit all of us um, afterwards. So recently we celebrated Yom Ashura, and this question is around why is it important to not just fast on the 10th of uh, of Muharram, which is Yawm al-Ashura, yeah, yeah. Yes, the Prophet ﷺ had obviously guided us on this matter. Um, first of all, we know that when he entered Al-Madinah, Munawwara, the Prophet ﷺ noticed that the, the Jews were fasting on the day of Ashura. Mm. And the Prophet ﷺ then asked them, Ma hadha? You know, what fast is this? Yeah. Uh, what are you doing? Or why are you fasting? And the Prophet ﷺ then was told by them, Hadha yawmun azim. This is a great day. It is the day when Allah Ta'ala saved Bani Israel from the enemies. Meaning Allah saved Nabi Musa and his followers from Fir'aun and his army. Musa. So they said to the Prophet ﷺ, the Jews said to the Prophet, so our Prophet Musa fast on that day. And the response that the Nabi ﷺ gave to the, the Prophet gave to them was, Inni bi Musa minkum. I can claim I can claim more a right over Musa than what you can mm. meaning my relationship with Musa is stronger than what 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 your relation with him is uh, and the hadith goes further to say and so the Prophet also used to fast on the day of Ashura and he actually commanded his Sahaba also to do the same then there's another riwayah of this hadith that says that the Prophet وسلم, actually mentioned If I live until the following here, then I will add the ninth day to it as well. 
And the summary wire that actually says it's to show our distinctness, sort of, that our ibadah is different mm. to the ibadah of the Yahud and others. We have a distinct way of fasting, a distinct way of doing things. We know that even the Christians, they also fast, but our fast is not like they fast. Mm. The way of staying away from food and drink is distinct. So the Prophet ﷺ wanted to just sort of dis- make it distinguished like that. And so the ulama, what they extract from this is that uh, uh, the sunnah, and again, it's a sunnah to fast Ashura. Mm. It's not a must, but it's a sunnah. And the sunnah is to add and to either fast the ninth or the tenth. Okay. Some say if you can't fast the ninth and the tenth, you can fast in the tenth and the eleventh. Okay. Then ulama even say if you cannot fast two days, you only have energy to fast one day. Mm. Is it allowed for you only to fast Ashura? The answer is yes. The okay. answer is yes. You can fast only Ashura also. It's no problem. It's just a recommendation to add another day to it. Uh, but if you can only uh, allow yourself, or if your body only allows you to fast one day, mm. then the one day will be absolutely sufficient. And then just to throw in another question which people ask, no, so I just want to take it to the other extreme. Can I fast all three days, 9, 10, and 11, for example? Yes, nothing stops you from fasting all three days if you like, because it will be inclusive of Ashura, a day before and a day after. And so that is also something which is quite uh, normal. And I would also like to encourage people, we are still in the month of Muharram, mm-hmm. right? The month of Muharram generally uh, is a month of fasting. It's a month where fasting is a very virtuous act. The Nabi والسلام, said in a hadith that أفضل الصيام بعد رمضان صوم شهر الله المحرم The best fast that you can endure after the fasting of Ramadan is fasting during the month of Muharram. And the Prophet actually called it Shahrullah. He called it the month of Allah. You know, and it's, it's, a, it's amazing. All the months are the months of Allah. But this month has just been given that title, hmm. the month of Allah, meaning it's a month where you renew your hopes in Allah. Hmm. You know, it's a new month, a new year. So it's like you have a new aspiration for the following year. So in that month, you try to uplift your status. You try to develop yourself. And how do you do it? By worshipping Allah, hmm. by doing fasting, by that. doing good deeds. And in that way, asking Allah through those good things that you do, that Allah gives you a better year and protect you and so on. So I would encourage people, the Ashura is very important and it was very important, but the rest of the month is also, if you can fast at least maybe on a Monday, on a Thursday, certain days, you know, like that, you'll certainly, the reward is much more greater than fasting in any other month besides Ramadan of course Inshallah Shukran Sheikh for that beautiful nasiha and with that our question that we come back with is do you you know do an act that um, is wrong when your husband orders you to do it more after the short break stay with us The Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM Stereo The Voice of the Cape 91.3 91.3 FM Stereo. Assalamu alaikum, a very good evening and welcome back. We are in Q&A. I'm Homer Solomon. With me is Sheikh Ibrahim was answering your question. So as I mentioned a question earlier before the break, this one reads now, Sheikh, my sister wants to marry a married man, but the wife is not happy with what they want to do. The man is married uh, for th- 38 years now and he is also unemployed. Sheikh, please advise. Yeah, I think this is like, you know, you have like all the ingredients in this particular question for a major disaster that is coming. Because, uh, you know, firstly, a a second wife scenario is always a very tricky one. Mm -hmm. Um, One should be very careful and be very um, certain that that is the type of situation you want to get yourself into. Mm. 
um, you say that the wife is not happy. I've yet to meet, you know, a, a, a wife that is going to be happy. Mm. It's always going to be awkward. Um, and yes, you do get, I, I believe you do get women that uh, don't have a problem with it and so mm. on. But it just seems like in our culture, yeah, you know, women mm. don't accept or don't uh, sort of uh, freely go into this kind of thing. Um, or rather accept this kind of thing. So I think the, the major problem for me here is that um, not so much that she's not happy because she, will, she won't be happy. That is normal. Mm. You can maybe work around that. But what is a bit more worrying for me is the fact that, uh, you know, he is unemployed, first of all. So which means, does he actually qualify to take another wife? Mm. Because Allah says very clearly in the Quran, in Surah An-Nisa chapter 4, right at the beginning, when Allah speaks about the second wife scenario, Allah makes it very clear, وَإِنْ خِفْتُمْ أَلَّا تَعَدِلُوا فَوَاحِدَةً if you fear that you won't be able to do justice with your wives, mm. then just only stick with, with one wife. And this is an obligation. You cannot take another wife if you don't have the ability and the means to actually care for a second wife. So I, I would want to tell you as a prospective second wife to be absolutely careful before you go into this. And I know, you know, if, if people are in love and they always say, look, but he's a good man and mm -hmm. this and, you know, um, I'm just in love with him. There's no way I can sort of turn this down and so on. It's, it's okay to say it then, but you must think about uh, along the line, a few years down the line, you know, is it still going to be like that? Is it going to be possible for him to do justice and those kind of things? And I, I will say that for, for me, you know, you, you as a second wife, you have the choice at the moment. So make the right choices. And I'm not saying you can't get married. Uh, obviously, it's halal for him to take a second wife if he can afford it and if he's able to. And it's halal for you to become his second wife. However, you must think of yourself and think of uh, your, your circumstance and make sure that it is something that you would want to do hmm. and that you can at least somewhat, we won't fully, but somewhat guarantee that you are going to be able to go into a marriage which is going to be sustainable, which is going to be filled with ingredients that will obviously uh, uh, be a conducive for a good marriage. And uh, I think, uh, you know, make istikhara, make mm -hmm. lots of istikhara to Allah Ta'ala. And also do your homework. Do your homework. Don't be mesmerized only with his beautiful words, you know, and his charm and what he's saying. Don't be mesmerized with that. Do your homework. Find out what type of a person he is. How does he treat his family? How does he treat his, uh, his first wife, his kids, if there are any kids? All these kinds of things is very, very, very important before you actually venture into this if you after all of that still feel comfortable and you think that he is able to look after you and you have made istikhara then inshallah allah knows best you know you can just from there onwards make dua that allah ta'ala gives you a good life and so on and hope for the best but you must do all your groundwork and do what is necessary before you actually go into and for me like i say the thing that stands out here is mm. he's currently unemployed so for me, can he really afford it? Is he able to sustain both wives? Because whether we like it or not, we are human beings. We need to live. Hmm. You know, we need to survive. We need to eat every day. We need to live somewhere. And these are practical things which needs to be sorted out.
hmm. before you actually go into such a, a marriage. But inshallah, Allah guide you and hmm. guide all people like you to make the right decisions in your lives. Inshallah. And uh, in a way, it's, uh, you know, we might look sometimes at family wanting to interfere, but uh, the sister is showing a concern to her sister. Um, but Sheikh, what, what I want to latch on here as well, because sometimes there's, there's information that's not always given and um, you don't know the complete case of everything. But uh, there are situations like the sister saying her, her sister wants to marry um, a married man. And, and many a times those uh, ladies or girls are actually independent themselves and accept the fact that, that you know, they don't need to be through by that um, a man or individual. Although we know he has so many other um, challenges as well as the, the first wife not being happy um, and, you know, that he was married for, for such a long time. So, Sheikh's comment on that. Yeah, of course. I mean, look, uh, the fact that if she's happy to go into something like that, mm. um, she cannot, of course, stipulate or say that I don't need your nafaka. Mm. You know, that's not right because okay. payment of nafaka is part and parcel of what marriage is. Mm. So, uh, it can't be like contractual to say I'm going to get married to you on the basis that you don't need to give me nafaka. Okay. That is not allowed because okay. nafaka is actually part of, of what marriage is. Because remember, things can change also. Mm -hmm. So you may be independent now, you may be okay now, but maybe down the line you may need again mm -hmm. or things may change. So you can't uh, contractually say, uh, I'm going to get married to you, but don't worry to look after me. Okay. Okay. If, he, if, if, if you at the beginning say, look, it's fine, I'm okay and so on. Um, the arrangement is that I will for now see to certain things. Mm. That is okay, as long as it is not a contractual thing. Okay. You understand? So if that is the case, uh, it's, it's okay. Um, it's, 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 it's acceptable uh, if both parties agree to that and so on and they know. Uh, but the husband should at all times know it's not in a contract form. If, if she and tomorrow changes her mind, yeah. say, look, I, I, I don't have, you need to give to me. Mm. Then he has to provide because that is his duty to provide for his wife or wives if there are more than one wife uh, in, in, in a marriage. Okay, Sheikh, let's just check the time. Yes, let's just pay the bills quickly. With more after the short break. The Voice of the Cape. 91.3 FM Stereo. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. A big shukran and welcome back in our last segment and a big thank you to everyone who's been patient as we get through all our questions and answers, uh, answer yours um, a week or two later. So Sheikh, quickly, this one reads, if... Um, if your husband asks you to do something that is wrong and you refuse, he tells you Allah and the Messenger وسلم, gave him the right um, of his wife's obedience. What does one do? His wife's obedience, rather. What is yeah, of do? course, it's, uh, he is right and he is wrong at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, he is right in saying that the wife should try to obviously you know, uh, accommodate the husband. Uh, for things which is halal and things which is his right and things which is within the boundaries of marriage and so on, um, she should obviously, and it's, a, it's obviously a, a means of, 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 of creating that uh, environment of harmony and understanding, mm -hmm. you know, and not to uh, rebel against everything he says and so on. Um, it's like, uh, I like to equate it to the fact that any, any business concern, for example, must have a leader that makes decisions. Yeah. And so if everyone beneath him is just going to rebel all the time, mm -hmm. then nothing will get done, you know. Um, it doesn't mean that the husband must abuse that right also and, and, and do. And I think one of the ways in which the husband will abuse that right is to ask the wife to do things which is un unbecoming, mm -hmm. or which is haram for that matter, which is not allowed for that matter. So in that case, if uh, the, the, the husband actually does do that, it is the right of the wife to say, look, I, I, I'm not obligated to listen to you mm -hmm. because you're asking me to disobey Allah Ta'ala. And uh, 
you know, there's actually a, a well-known hadith which we have quoted uh, very often that uh, says لا طاعة لمخلوق في معصية الخالق that there shall be no obedience for the creation if it leads to the disobedience of the creator. Okay, it's very nice, short and, and, and crisp. There shall be no disobedience for the creation if it leads to the disobedience of the creator. Mm. So obviously your husband is, hasn't got the right to do that. So you can say to him politely, I, I, I will, you know, sort of accommodate you for anything that you require from me as long as it is within the boundaries mm -hmm. and what is expected from me as a wife and so on. But anything beyond that, I'm not allowed to, to do it because my creator is more important to me than obeying you or doing something to satisfy or please you. So you must simply be told that in a, in a, in a, in a, in a assert, uh, assertive way and in a polite but assertive say to him, I'm not allowed to do that because mm. Islam does not expect me to do that. And he in, in, in return should then understand and accept that particular uh, response. Okay, shukran, Sheikh. My brother is offered a job as a driver for a liquor store. Can he accept this job as he is not making um, the liquor or selling it, but he's only driving it to customers? Yeah, that is a bit uh, very dodgy because you are still part of part the of process, it, yeah. you know, in one way or the other. And we know amazingly the Prophet when he spoke about liquor per se, he mentioned about 10 different categories of people that are all cursed by Allah or have some some role to play mm. within the 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 chain of the production of liquor mm. or the involvement of liquor so much so that the prophet ﷺ cursed the one who makes it who squeezes the the grapes out the one who sells it the one who buys it the one who drinks it the one who carries it so much even just to carry it to someone mm. so that is what you are doing at carrying the liquor from one place to another mm. transporting it so you shouldn't you should be getting another job it should not be you know um, because ultimately it falls under the ayah where Allah says wa la ta'awanu ithmi wal udwan beginning of surah al-maida Allah says do not assist in that which leads to mischief to evil to wrong don't be an assistant to that mm. so by you doing that obviously you are aiding the process and so you should be getting a different job which does not deliver liquor uh, and make dua to Allah to take you out of that job inshallah and to, to give you a better work uh, appeal to Allah in your salah in the tahajjud inshallah Allah will give you if you are sincere enough open the doors for you and may Allah make it easy for you inshallah inshallah um, and then the next one or the last one we have us can someone um, someone told me to perform Qada'a Salah instead of my Sunnah Salah to make up for the Salah I did not perform previously. Is this correct, Sheikh? Yeah, this is correct because uh, the priority should be given to Miss Salahs in your life because Miss Salahs is obligatory. It's something that is owed and it doesn't really fall away, right? You have to perform them. So in a case where you've missed lots of salahs in the past, it is best to concentrate on fulfilling those salahs first before doing the sunnah. However, if you do both, it's also not a problem. So let's say after each fard salah, you just add another fard. Mm. You know, so you're making dhuhr, add another dhuhr to it yeah. with a niyyah of qada. So if you do that and you still want to add your sunnahs also, it's fine. It's, it's not a problem because at least your intention is to fulfill the farts. And so you do it as much as you can. And uh, uh, But if you, let's say you have the choice between the two, either I'm going to do either the qada or either the sunnah, then obviously the qada will take preference over the sunnah. Mm. Because the qada, as I said, is a compulsory salah. It must be done, whereas the sunnah is voluntary. And the first thing that you will be questioned about is your compulsory acts before you will be asked about the voluntary acts. Mm. So uh, I would suggest that people in this uh, situation rather just make salah after each waqt 
add another salah, you know, or another two salahs if you like, or fart. And then if you want to add also the sunnahs, you have time, you can do the sunnahs as well if you have energy to do all of that. But it should be okay just to carry on like that until you feel comfortable that you've at least fulfilled most of your uh, salahs that have been missed in the past. A big, big shukran once again, uh, Sheikh Ibrahim Worst, you uh, for affording us the time here today on this Saturday evening and to our listeners for staying tuned and uh, for their patience as well, awaiting their question, the answers rather to their questions. We'll see Sheikh again next week, same time. All the best and uh, salams to everyone at home, inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan to you also, uh, Sister Hawa, and uh, also to all our listeners. We hope that Allah Ta'ala keep us under his protection for the coming week, inshallah, inshallah. until we meet again. Again, wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wassalam wa rahmatullah. That was Sheikh Ibrahim Worst. Joins us again next week on questions and answers between 6 and 7. Join us again and tell your friends. And You may also download the show on iono.fm if you've missed any of the previous uh, questions and answers program. If your question has come up and you didn't catch it that week, you can get it um, and download it anyway and listen to it even if you don't have internet a little bit later on. But from myself, Hawa Salam enjoy the rest of your weekend be safe buckle up and keep that uh, safe following distance wassalamu alaikum and a very good evening to you